Just, just, just soaking up His presence, really, that night. And I just, I just said, Lord, it's just so wonderful to be in Your presence. And we just both burst out laughing, and <laughs> we couldn't stop. It was just overwhelming, you know. And I, and I love, I love my Father. I love His presence. <coughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Ah. Today's message is called, uh, Who Do You Say I Am? And it comes from Matthew 16. Come on, Daddy. You got your Bibles today? Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20. And today's message is, uh, that I realize is, is a lot about my own walk. You know, it's not a, a vanity thing, it's just that when you when you begin you know meditating and actually it, it was uh, who do you say I am was a word that I had have had on my mind for some weeks now, but when you start preparing for something like this, and God begins to download to you, not only do you reference the Bible, but you you you, you often reference your own life, you know, the things that you've been through, things that God has shown to you personally. And so a lot of today's message is um, my own walk. But let's, um, let's begin in chapter, what did I say, verse, chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But then he said, but what about you? But what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that, that you, you, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Father God, we come before you today. We come before your word today, Father God, with, with ears to hear, hearts that are open to see, Lord, what it is that the Spirit of the Lord would say to us today. We welcome you here today. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. I welcome your presence. Welcome you, Lord Jesus. We welcome your word. We welcome your Father. We welcome your, your wisdom, your direction, your counsel. I welcome, I thank you, Lord, that you meet every need today, Father. You supply wisdom, Lord, where wisdom is needed. 
counsel where counsel is needed, encouragement where encouragement is needed, edification where that is needed, healing where that is needed, breakthrough where that is needed. Thank you that you supply our every need today, Father, in Jesus' name. Jesus said, who do you say I am? And I can guarantee that he wasn't having an identity crisis. He knew who he was. He was the son of man, the Messiah. His question was centered on the disciples. Who do you say he was? It was a huge question, still is. It wasn't enough just to know him as Jesus, nice, wonderful Jesus. They needed to know him as the Christ their Redeemer, their Savior, their everything. The I am all you need. Peter got it. Peter saw it. You are the Christ, the promised one. So Jesus praised Peter for his revelation. He said, well done, Peter. Well done, mate. That revelation, that acceptance is the very rock that I will build my church on in the hearts of all believers. And it's a revelation so powerful that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Who do you say I am is one of those important crossroad questions that we face from time to time. It's also called a line in the sand question where it's either his way or the world's way. It's either fear's way or faith's way. Who do you say I am answered the right way will get us over. But answered the wrong way will keep us under. And I was thinking about this the other morning, and uh, I realized that there have been um, four different significant occasions in my life that I've literally stood in the gap between the the living and the dead and had to answer that question. Three for myself, one for my youngest daughter. And it's a scary question. (laughs) It's like your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done. And it's it's often, it's been a question that um, went beyond just believing that I had to surrender to because it went beyond my own understanding, if you know what I mean. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways just acknowledge him. And at times it's just a, it goes beyond what we can try and reach out and grab a hold of and believe. It's just a surrender. It's like diving off a high diving board. You're on the edge and it looks, am I going to make it? Is it going to kill me to jump off this? But you do it anyway. It was a scary question. But when I answered it like Peter and acted upon it, God came through. I remember uh, my youngest daughter, Amber. She used to suffer um, greatly from asthma. And um, every winter it was an ordeal when she was young, especially when we got to Easter coming off the list. And uh, time after time after time, 
anybody anybody know much about Easter? You got a you got a puffer? You got a blow into it? It's not how much you can draw in, it's how much you can breathe out. That's the problem. And so they give you this puffer that's got a measurement thing on it. And so you puff it out, and if it's under 100, that ambulance is coming. And for her, it was 110. <laughs> I was reading the ambulance. And that was, that was for every whimper I had to do that. And I'd spend three or four nights up in the ambulance. And uh, as she got a bit older, it just seemed to get worse and worse. And then one night, it was she was getting right down. And she got down to 110. And uh, I was almost going to ring the, the, the ambulance. And the Lord said, you need to fight for this girl. You what? You need to fight for this girl. You need to intercede. You need to stand in the gap for this girl. Otherwise, she's never going to break through here. And I was literally between looking at her and saying, you get under 100 this time, that's what happens, and you're in real trouble. And so I started, it was about 8 o'clock at night, and so I just stormed the ambulance home. And, uh, and I just quoted every scripture that I knew over and over again, hour for hour and hour for hour, right through to early morning. And then right on dawn, she coughed, she breathed, and she'd never been to hospital again. Just such a momentous occasion. And it was scary. Heard the Lord say, You need to fight for this girl. And when I did, God put the fight on. And that night he answered me, Who do I who do you think sent my daughter to you? He's my healer. See, it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to to believe him, trust him, obey him, and come through something and know him. That makes it personal. That makes it real. That makes it tangible. That makes him ever present. Now prior to this question, the, the disciples had already been following Jesus for some time. They'd seen a lot, experienced a lot. Healings, miracles. You would have thought they would have known There are many who know about Jesus, hear about him every Christmas. Many who have attended church for years and years and years and years, but still didn't know who he really was, <clears throat> or still don't know who he is. And it's a sad thing, as Timothy wrote, to be ever learning, but not able to come to the knowledge of the truth. To know that you know that you know that you know. And church attendance doesn't qualify you. Apart from that, it's just uh, religion and tr tradition at best. I had a wonderful friend, uh, Morphy Grant. Anybody know Morphy? Remember Morphy Grant? He, was, um, he died well into his 80s. And uh, he came to the Lord at 21 years of age. And then he spent the rest of his life preaching the gospel, <laughs> sharing Jesus with people. 
up and down the country, most of that time on marais preaching the gospel. And they'd ridicule him, tell him to, you know, blah, 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 get out of here. But he just kept going, and for years and years, he was one of my faith heroes. But Morsley was a uh, Presbyterian, and uh, he didn't believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, healings. All that sort of stuff had gone with the disciples. But him and I, we used to have some interesting conversations. <laughs> but I loved Morphy, and uh, we were great mates. But I, I, before he died, I got to see him, and uh, he was telling me that he'd just come off a course, 40 days of fasting. And uh, where was we? Big things were going on. And uh, he was almost in tears. And he said, Lord, I know you said I could have been healed. He said, I could have been laying down on the altar and I could have been healed. I could have been prophesying. And he said, Lord, I know. I just believe that you physically didn't realize that. the church all that time, 21, what wild would he be to say that? Huh? Would he die? No. All those years, year in, only seeing God for a year. Right before he died. It was a bittersweet moment for him. He was so happy, but he was sad at the same time that he hadn't seen him for 40 years. So God is calling us all into a closer relationship with him because it's out of that relationship encounter comes depth of understanding, depth of faith, depth of hope, depth of prayer. Jesus had asked them who others said he was, and they answered, some say you were this, some say you were that. Then he put the spotlight on them. It's not enough just to hear what other people's testimony is, to know what others have to say. And don't get me wrong, it's, it's great to be encouraged by other people's testimony. We had a, Tom gave us a testimony the other day in, in, our, prayer, in our prayer time. It was wonderful. Hey, you can get him up there and share it. <laughs> it kept me buzzing all weekend. And I have my favorite ministers that I watch, listen to, and read about. But at some stage, you have to own Christ for yourself. You won't grow or survive solely on borrowed light. You can't build a, a, a personal relationship with Jesus based on secondhand information and secondhand revelation. <clears throat> I call it trying to fit into Saul's armor. Remember when bit of a, a tickle of me. Remember when David went out to fight Goliath? <coughs> Saul stepped in, King Saul. He stepped in, he said, young fella, he said, here's my armor. This is a good armor. He said, put this armor on and you'll be, you'll be protected. It's a great armor. I've fought lots of battles in this armor and it's kept me safe, young fella. It, it begs the question, well then, so why didn't you put the armor on and go out and fight Goliath? <clears throat> well, that's another story. 
David said, no, it's too big. I can't fit it. He said, I, I know that this, this slingshot and these few stones don't look much to you. And I, don't, I, I know they don't look much to old big Malumba out there, but it's what I know. I killed a bear with this slingshot. I killed a lion with this slingshot. And that big fella out there, he's going to be no different today. This day, the Lord is going to deliver him into my hands with what I know. See, David didn't try and fit into Saul's revelation. He walked in the light of what he knew. And that was what won the day. say I am can be rephrased like this, be it unto you according to your faith. And Jesus also made that comment. And I'm of the belief and have experienced enough to know that, that God, can, God can and will meet us at our own level of faith. Doesn't have to be super faith. Doesn't have to be hypo faith. It just has to be faith, just listening to, believing, obeying, just walking in the light of what you know, what you can understand, what you can believe, and what you can grab a hold of. That's what matters. My own cancer story was a, a miracle gained through um, prayer and standing on his word. But when my wife, Viti, uh, uh, got cancer, we went down a different faith path. First, we, we prayed and believed for an outright miracle. Because she said, if it could happen to you, it could happen to me. But it didn't happen in the time frame that we needed it to happen. So we sat down and had an honest conversation. And I asked her, where her faith was at. And in her heart of hearts, she said that she couldn't really reach that far either. It was just hope. But she could believe in medical science and trust God to use the medical profession to bring about a, a positive result in her body. And she was confident of that. So I joined her where her faith was at. And we prayed for the medical staff, prayed for a complete job, no, no after effects, no chemotherapy needed, no radiation needed. And, and for some reason, uh, God laid upon my heart to, to pray that the doctor, the head surgeon, would have discernment for me. Discernment. I don't know why, but I just felt on my heart just to pray for discernment. And after the operation, uh, my wife came home after a couple of weeks rest, and then we went back to see Stephen. And he said, I've got good news, and I've got good news. He said, the good news, we've got all the cancer cured. And the other good news is that we, you won't need chemotherapy, and you won't need radiation. But then he said, but there was something strange about this operation. He said, he said, usually when I, when I do an operation like this, I just go so far into the tissue of the body 
and he said, I'll stop there and close it up. But he said, as I was coming to the end, he said, something was, I just felt that I needed to go a bit further. And he cut another layer of tissue right there. And he said, I've never, ever done any pain until this happened. And he said, man, I thought that I was going to. There was the discernment. There was that spirit of discernment. singing his song, feeling great. God met my wife her level of discernment. I didn't try and make her come up to faith that I had or somebody else had. Let me read what uh, Paul wrote to the church in Rome. translation. Romans 4, 18 to 22. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. But Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. For he was fully convinced or fully persuaded that God is able to do whatever he promises. Abraham was fully convinced, fully persuaded that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteousness. Now, faith is simply the persuasion or conviction that something is true. People with strong faith are fully persuaded fully convicted. People with little faith needs a bit of convicting. Christian faith is based on, it's not based on feelings, emotions, or hype, and we have those sensations. It's still fully persuaded, fully convinced, but it's based on God's promises and God's word. Regardless of how you regardless of how the situation is. And I'm convinced that it comes through a, a growing relationship with God, getting to know God's character, getting to know God's nature, <coughs> that He's for us and not against us, that He really does want the best for us, that He is someone who cannot lie and He will come through. And that relationship grows and develops through spending time with him. Spending time in his word. Spending time in, in prayer. Spending time allowing him to lead you through your life. It's a growth. We are given 
The Bible says that uh, we are given the measure of faith, not a measure. It's not like God comes along and says, oh, I'm just going to give you a little measure of faith, Kevin, and I'll give Tony a huge measure of faith. I'm going to give uh, Tom there a little measure of faith, but I'm going to give his wife a big measure of faith. No, he gives us all the same measure of faith. But what we do with it, that's what matters. The scripture says that it comes like a seed, like a mustard seed. But when you water it with your faith, when you when you water it with believing it and putting action into it, and every time you step out, uh, um, believing what God says for your life, it begins to grow and it begins to develop. It begins to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. I remember when I first came to the Lord back in the 80s, there was a, it was like a revival that was going on, especially amongst the, uh, the Pentecostal movement, you know. And, and lots of people were coming to the Lord. I remember a lot of people, I can still see their faces today, and um, people were getting turned on with um, all the, you know, the um, being able to prophesy and all the power gifts and things like that. Everybody went after those things. And, I, and, I, and it just, it, even back then, it just, it just didn't fit me personally. The thing that I wanted to do was to be a better me. And so I applied scripture to my life personally. Then I wanted to be a better husband, a better father. Not perfect, but just better than what I was. Then a better employee, a better member of the body of Christ. And those ones that, that rose up quick in the, in the gifts of the Spirit, most of them are gone today. says, you know, they, they, they hear the word and they get excited about it and they jump in and they, and they grow. But when persecution comes, temptation comes, because they have no root in themselves, they fall away. And most of them fell away. I was on God's uh, slow burn job. What is it? Slow burner, slow grower. And I'm still here today. Faith is, 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 is simple. It's just step by step, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Today you believe God for this much. When you see him fulfill that much, then it gives you the strength to believe for that much. Then when you see the reality of that, then it gives you the strength to, and the faith to believe for that much. And you just keep growing, and you just keep growing, and you just keep growing, and you just keep growing. But you start off where your faith is. Today, if you want to come up for prayer, and I'll, I'll finish with this, come up in your faith. Come up believing that God can meet you where your faith is at. <clears throat> Don't come up believing for my faith, where Pastor Tony's at. God will meet you where your faith is at. Great word. And, uh, you know, God wants us to uh, grow in our faith. And uh, so we're going to...
Richard, would you put some uh, music on, please? And we're going to release uh, this, the, uh, close off the meetings. If you just want us to say, God, I want to walk in that faith. I just don't want to believe, but I want to walk in my faith. Then you come forward, and I'm going to invite three people to come on up here just to minister to those who uh, come forward. Father, we thank you. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for this word. Father, help us to be men and women who uh, walk by faith, who live by faith. Uh, we are just so grateful uh, that you, the great I am, live in, you live in us. And we want your will, your way, your purposes fulfilled. In, in your mighty name, God, I pray, release, Lord God, of faith and confidence expressed and lived out. Expressed and lived out. You know, this is such a perfect word, and I know the timing of it is absolutely bang on because I was somewhere just yesterday where this word was given pretty almost word for word. And I thought, wow, God is in, his, in the job of releasing us all into ministry. And so often, you know, it's so easy to say, you know, that there's a pastor and there's an elder and there's someone praying. In reality, God wants us all ministering from faith to faith. Everybody, every one of us. So that's you. Quickly come on up. Ministry team, quickly come on up and let's come and pray for, uh, pray for those who minister.